Tonight, we're going to talk about change, our constant companion, our constant companion. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23, uh, Paul is writing to the church, and, and this is a church that is uh, struggling to a degree with legalism. And when I say legalism is that they came to faith in Christ, but then now they're trying to go on and become mature by keeping the law. And as a result of that, they put themselves back under the law and they are just really spinning their tires. They're not getting much traction. They're not, you know, seeing growth and development and transformation in their life. And so Paul is inspired to write to these dear brothers and sisters and to remind them that, you know, hey, you started in the spirit. That's how you have to finish. I mean, you just can't put yourself back under the law and expect to grow and mature and to change. Uh, that's uh, that's not how this works. This is the new covenant. We're in a new dispensation, a new time of God working in the earth. And so they had to learn new things. And, and if we're honest about it, we have to learn new things. Uh, there are so many people that, you know, truly and sincerely come to faith in Christ, but then they feel like the rest of it's up to them. You know, they thank God for the gift of eternal life. They're thankful that their name's written in the land's book of life. But if there's anything that's going to change or any, any way I'm ever going to change, I, you know, it's just going to be me. And that's just really not what Christ came to do. Christ came to give us a whole new pattern and a whole new way to live. So we're going to discover some of those truths tonight. So he's writing to this group of believers and he says in verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. All of us have probably heard this verse many times. We've read it, probably even have certain uh, characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit underlined or circled. We may even at the beginning of 2024 written down some ways in which we want to become more fruitful and we want God to be more glorified in our life. And we may have taken Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and 23 sort of as our template and say, you know, I need to allow God to work in my life and God's Spirit to work in my life to where I'm more gentle or I'm more kind or I'm more patient uh, and uh, and if you haven't, maybe consider doing that because these are the things that the Spirit of God, when He's active in our life, this is the evidence of Him working. This is the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of God's Spirit working in our life or these characteristics, which we could put it this way. This is Christ. This is what Christ looks like. And this is what Christ wants to clothe us in and wants us to look and, uh, and like and become. So, And then I've given you... Uh, various other verses uh, to, and I just want to summarize those. In Numbers 23 is a story of Balaam and Balak. And uh, and the Lord revealed uh, unto his prophet, he says, you know, I'm the Lord and I change not. And it, it was it was a moment of awakening for the prophet. And then in Malachi 3.6, Malachi is writing and appealing to the people of God to return to the Lord, to the Lord. And, and they're questioning in what way have we departed from God? In what way have, in what way do we need to return? And, and he answers that question and then he makes this outstanding statement. He said, I am the Lord and I change not. And what he's saying is that if there's any change that needs to transpire, it's on man's behalf because the Lord is constant and consistent. 
And thank God that he's not chiding us, but he's imploring us and he's reminding us that he is the unchangeable God. Then in Hebrews 13, 8, you know that verse, Jesus Christ is the same what yesterday, today, and forever, this consistency. James reminds us that there's no variation or shadow of turning with God, that he is who he is and he never alters and never needs to alter who he is, that he's perfect in all of his ways. So all of those are reminders that change is something that God has invited us into. And he's also sent the Holy Spirit so that we can experience true change or transformation. So this study is about developing Christ-like character. This is in the first paragraph in your notes. It's also about change, how God changed us and is committed to working in us until the day we depart to be with him or he comes to receive us unto himself. So let's begin with a good working definition of character. For our study, we've defined character as who we are because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because of Christ in our life, all things have become new. Well, we need to discover what those new things are, embrace them, and allow them to work from the inside out because it's Christ in us, the hope of glory now. So he's at work. Scripture says both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And his good pleasure is that we be changed and we be conformed more and more into his image. And so he's always at work. He's always at work within us. And the work is a good work because he's a good God. He said, the good work that I've begun in you, I'd be faithful to complete. So when he looks at our life, he doesn't look at our life and have a deep sigh. (sighs) I got to work on their attitude today. Oh, boy, you know, it's uh, sometimes in a construction project, let's say we we bought an old home and uh, we we go into a certain room and we think, boy, this is going to take a lot of work and and resources and time and effort and energy. Our Heavenly Father never looks at us and has that kind of attitude. He always looks at us and he just delights that he he has been given permission by us to work in us and that... It's something that's good. So we're all a work in progress and we're all under construction. And Jesus is still the master carpenter. And he is at work in us to develop character and character that would glorify God. And he's the reason that we can change. So change and transformation are one and the same in Scripture. And since the Lord never changes, he is the only one qualified to change or transform us into his image. We're not qualified to change ourselves. Uh, and he's the only one. Change is our constant companion in life, and that's what we're going to be talking about for the remainder of our lesson. Therefore, it's important for us to identify the real enemy of change and the real friend of change. In order to do this, we have to look at Mark's Gospel, Chapter 4. Now, this might seem like uh, an interesting choice, of scripture to look at when it comes to the subject matter of change. But I believe that as we look at this subject matter and really identify what's happening with Jesus and his disciples in this certain scenario, that we're going to see that it's really not unique at all. It's something that makes a lot of sense. And that's my prayer as we look at this. So we do have an enemy of change and we also have a friend of change. And let's discover what they are. Let's go back into the Gospel of Mark, 
And let's pick up in the fourth chapter and the 35th verse. Mark 4, verse 35. And on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let's cross over to the other side, them being the disciples. So see, the end of the day, they've had a full day of ministry and they're probably pretty exhausted. And yet they have to travel through the evening hours. And so he's getting them prepared to get into the boat and get out on the water. And this was a common practice uh, for these men. They had been on the water many times. And you and I both know that some of Jesus' uh, disciples were uh, masters at fishing. And so uh, they're very comfortable and very at home on the water. But it's the evening hours. And so many of the people that are out on the water during this time uh, use the heavens as their navigation. And so if it's a clear night, then, you know, many people feel very comfortable on the waters because they can navigate them and they feel very safe. Well, it must, we just have to say it, it must have looked like sailing was good for the evening and uh, everyone was on board and ready to go, but things changed quickly. And it says in verse 36, and when they, now when they had left uh, uh, the multitude, they took him in the boat as, as he was, and other little boats were also with them. And a great windstorm arose. So let me just <clears throat> remind you that no one who is seaworthy is going to get a little boat out onto the water uh, if there's a storm that's brewing. So the storm came not because uh, the weatherman got it right. The storm came because there was something that was going to happen in the midst of this storm that was going to reveal how change actually happens in a human heart. Things were going to transpire in a way that these disciples were going to learn a lesson about transformation and change that would alter their life forever. So they're they're in the bigger vessel. Here come all these little vessels, and they're all starting off and excited and, and uh, enthusiastic. It goes on, and it says in verse 37, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he said, uh, but he was asleep in the stern, uh, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, Do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. And they said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? I put in your notes that storms provide the platform for change, But before change can occur, uh, uh, the way we think about God has to change. Now, for the casual reader, and I I just, I do want to pull back here for a minute and just say that, you know, for the casual reader of the Word of God, the response of the disciples seems really logical, doesn't it? There doesn't seem to be anything inappropriate about it. it. It would be what human rational thinking would come to the conclusion about. Uh, but there was something that was not very healthy about the rational mind here. They had come to some wrong conclusions. And it revealed how they actually thought and how they perceived and how they actually viewed Jesus. And that's where I want to start. I want to start by taking a closer look 
at verse 38, because in verse 38, there are three mindsets that Jesus helped change. The first mindset was that the disciples still had relegated Jesus to a teacher, and a teacher he was, but that's to a degree how they had known him maybe up until this time. But he was much more than a teacher. In my lifetime, I've had, I mean, dozens and dozens of teachers. A, a teacher can't help me if there's a storm. But God can. They didn't understand that it was more than a teacher who was in the boat with them. It was God himself. It was the creator of heavens and the earth. See, they looked at Jesus and they didn't really understand the fullness of who they were relating to. And so they said, teacher. Jesus is the son of the living God. They would discover that in the upcoming days. They would have that understanding. They would come to that knowledge. But at this point in time, they looked at him as a rabbi, as one who was a wonderful expounder of the law and of the prophets, knew the history. They looked at him to a degree like like he was mentoring them and they were his students and he was our teacher. And they looked and they had that understanding. Teacher, not really having in mind that he was much more than that. He was God clothed in flesh. He always had been. He is and he always will be. And in order for change to happen in us, we have to see Jesus in a bigger and a truer light. He's much more than a prophet, a teacher, a miracle worker. He's much more than, you know, the son of Joseph and Mary. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. He's God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He always has been. He's preexisted. He's in every book, all 66 books of the Bible. He's there. He has presence. Before he came and manifested himself as Emmanuel, Christ with us, he was in the beginning. When the heavens and the earth were created, he was delighting before his father. The book of Proverbs says that he was rejoicing over creation. The book of Colossians says in him and through him and by him, all things were made and all things are sustained. Now, if they would have had that understanding of Jesus and they would have had that knowledge of Jesus, do you think, do you think, it could have changed the way that they looked at the storm, the way that they responded to the circumstances, the way that they even interacted or asked for help from Jesus. I think it would have changed drastically. You know, people can only walk in the light that they have. But thank God you can walk in that light, and when you walk in that light, more light will be given unto you. But the first thing that happens when change is something that God is working within us, is be, we see him in a bigger sphere. We see him in a larger way. 
And when he's enlarged, that helps our faith. That strengthens our faith. The second statement that they made was an interesting one because it came in the form of question. Do you not care? So they said, teacher, do you not care? Now, this is interesting because it reveals their doubts. And their doubts led them to question God's character. As if he is unaware of what's going on, as if he's disinterested. So not only didn't they understand the person that was in the boat, they didn't understand the compassion and the care and the love of this individual that they were in this boat with. And there's multitudes of people that still, you know, struggle with the love of God. They struggle with, does God really care? Does God know what's going on? Doesn't, isn't he aware that there's a storm and that everyone's life is at risk and that we're about, you know, to see the end of our days, is, is, is he not interested? Is he that, you know, tired, exhausted, self-absorbed, you know, that he's not paying attention to us at all? So that was a mindset that was revealed. First, who they thought Jesus was. Second, because of that, that perhaps he wasn't interested in them. Maybe they were just tagging along because he needed a bunch of good workers, a bunch of good helpers. You know, after all, there were multitudes and multitudes of people that were coming to hear him and listen to him. So someone had to do crowd control. I mean, someone had to, you know, be bodyguards with all those people pressing in and surrounding him. You know, maybe he, he, he wasn't interested. Maybe he didn't care. Have you ever been in a season in your life in a storm that suddenly the circumstances just flipped so quickly that you began to question the care of God, the character of God. And then the third mindset that Jesus helped to change that was revealed in this storm was we are perishing. So they were looking at their current circumstances uh, and it led them to the wrong conclusion. But it all began with this. It all began with not understanding who Jesus is and his true nature and his unending, unconditional love that he has for us. And then it's interesting. You know, they just said this is this is the end of everything that we've ever known and everything that, uh, you know, we've ever hoped for in the future is about to go up right here on this lake. I love what happens next because Jesus in this moment where their mind needs to be changed and transformation needs to happen, he does everything so that it does. The first thing he does is he stands up. Now you have to understand who's standing up. God's standing up. God's going to stand up in the middle of your storm. And he's going to show you, secondly, that he cares for you. Everything changed. When he said, peace, be still, all doubts were eliminated. And then the third thing that he did 
was he dealt with their fear of death. And he said, why are you so fearful? Then he said, where is your faith? So let me finish this portion of our lesson by sharing this. Our enemy of change and transformation is fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of rejection. Fear of failure. You could put it in a lot of different categories, but that's the number one reason that people hold on to what they are comfortable with is because of fear. But your friend and my friend in change is faith. And faith is greater than fear. And Jesus, in one moment, changed their mind. They were transformed. They were transformed. And the transformation continued. And it would have continued until the day they they went home to be with him. Just like it is with us. This isn't just... A lesson that will never have to be repeated again. It's a lesson that's ongoing and reoccurring. So God is in the business of changing or transforming our heart and our minds. So who is the real enemy of change? As I said, it's fear. Who's our true friend of change? It's faith. It's faith. I want to conclude by bringing a point to you. In the latter part of this story, in verse 40, Jesus asked a question. He said to them, why are you so fearful? Why are you so full of fear? How is it that you have no faith? Here's the response of the disciples. And they feared exceedingly. And said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Do you believe that he went from more than a teacher at that moment? Fear is used two times in these three sentences. The first fear is a degree of fear that would paralyze someone from doing anything or believing anything that's good. The second fear is a godly fear that helps them to overcome the fear that paralyzed them. So when you look at this in the original language, Jesus said, in essence, the fear that you're full of right now is about to be removed because of the fear that you're going to gain of who I am. The fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. It's the beginning of all transformation. It is the beginning and the entry point of all change in our life. When we know who he really is and that he's in the boat with us, then we, we, right, are going to go to the other side. And we know we're going to go to the other side because that's what Jesus said. We're going to the other side. And you can have that confidence, and I can too, that he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to the day 
that is completed. So transformation, change, yeah, it happens. It happens as we get to know him. Our doubts are removed. Our fears are dispelled. He becomes enlarged. Peace and calmness comes. And we make it to the other side. And our respect and our awe and our reverence of him is increased. That's real change. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.